listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Facebook. Two Facebook seconds. Live is for people committing crimes. Like that's the only people who go on Facebook Live. <laughs> we are not, are committing, we are not committing crimes. Or murders or we are not. Hello, welcome to One Take Podcast. Fucking up their boyfriend's ex-boyfriend's car because he cheated. Those are the only people who go on Facebook Live. People committing crimes. We are not committing crimes. We're doing a podcast. Welcome to One Take Podcast, episode one twenty-two. <laughs> Uh, another throwback review because we are in the doldrums of the movie going industry summer right the now. It days is of summer, folks ooh, might say. We it we started off real hot. We had a really good run there for a while. Um, past two weeks have stunk. <laughs> Bad. Nothing even is even being released. Like Dragon Ball Z is winning at the box office. What it? <laughs> yuck. Yeah. Uh, Idris Elba fighting a lion and slash or being a genie not doing it for you, Royden. Um, I've you know you you are the only person to have seen both of those films. Absolutely, and you may be the I only person like in the country. I am vindicated in my Idris Elba slander, not slander. Like he's he's not him. He's not. The only good thing that came out of that movie where he fights a lion is that story that uh, his daughter didn't get the job to play his daughter in the movie which is just hilarious it's just a funny thing <laughs> they had bad vibes is basically what they didn't have on screen yeah they didn't have on screen chemistry it's like they're actually uh dad and 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 uh daughter and it was like nope that's not quite the dynamic we we're looking for they their their dynamic is not really believable weird. not feeling it <laughs> nobody there have been countless countless young black women who have come on screen and played idris elba's children and like his actual child could not do it. Didn't have the right vibes. <laughs> Maybe at some point it's Idris Elbow. Like we can, we're asking that question. Dex, Dex nope. has been I've on been, that for a while. Been telling y'all he's not him. Um, did you like Three Thousand Years of Longing? He was on set. It's not his fault. Obviously. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was already there. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to get on his level. But I mean, Three Thousand Years of Longing. It's not bad. Should have been better. Like that's that's my feeling on it. Fair. Like, okay, yeah. we can talk about it at the end of the podcast. Right now, we're going to talk about an even better movie than anything that has come out this year, uh, or maybe since. Uh, Parasite, 2019 from Bong Joon Ho. We have actually not talked about this movie. We started this podcast. Yes, this is live. Thank you for coming in. We really appreciate it. We started this podcast um, in 2020, right after this movie came out. 
kind of on the heels of when this was going into the Oscars, because I believe we talked about this winning the, did we talk about this on, uh, on, on pod about this winning the Oscar? I don't remember if like our first episode was Oscar reactions or if it was Oscar nomination reactions. No, it was, it was to the Oscars. Um, what won over 1917? Was it this? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Wait. What no. are you saying? Those are different years because I think they're in the same year. Let me see. I think they're in the same year. Yeah. This um. Nineteen seventeen. And yeah, it did. And... Okay. Yeah. So we did talk about this winning uh, all those years ago, but we never fully talked about this on the pod because it it won in even though it was the best movie that year, and I, you know, still maintain that 1917 in the theater was incredibly entertaining and and it, it's not as good as parasite extremely obviously. entertaining in, um, in the experience yeah but yeah uh, and i think on that pod if you go all the way back i'm talking about oh i'm really surprised that parasite won it, you go back and you look at it um the 2020 oscars it still surprised a lot of people that it, it that it won because historically you get one or you know you get best international film because the oscars are weird and racist you don't also uh get best film overall yeah was this kind the of first just... foreign film to win it like that feels uh, yes. like it can't be true but i think that it is it is it is <laughs> um also the most academy awards i believe for a foreign language film Mm-hmm. foreign language quote unquote um, yeah, Bong Joon-ho was posted up with like his five Oscars that night you know, like, he's, he's taking the Adele photo you know <laughs> Usually, what happens is you win best international film and then if it's like really really well loved by the you get Academy then you get nominated but everybody knows that you won't win that's why this was such a big deal because yeah you get drive my card nobody thought this was going to win uh, even though it was the best movie, people still were like, yeah, but that doesn't mean shit. Like, that doesn't mean it's going to win. Like, the best movie maybe rarely wins the actual Oscar, so it was just a surprise in that regard. I'll, I'll tell you this. We'll talk about we'll talk about the plot and everything, but I love talking. We do Oscars talk a lot on this podcast. It's kind of how we started, but yep. uh, we love the Oscars, folks. I know people sorry. Sorry to, if this offends. We love the yeah, Oscars. Yeah, hey, man. I, I will always love the Oscars. That's what I got into analyzing movies and what I why I do what I do now. So, you know, hey, um, but sometimes I get it right, and they did, Parasite. Great Oscars year, honestly. Uh, Parasite wins, which it should have. 1917, which, I, again, I maintain was an incredible film when it came out. Ford versus Ferrari, uh, maybe yeah. not a best, great like, one. in it's a great movie maybe not in any given year like an oscar contending film but it's fun and it had movie stars like yeah those are the films we used to nominate for best picture um we had it made jojo rabbit little women once upon a time in hollywood and then you know marriage story joker and the irishman still in any given year incredible films nominated for best picture yeah, Mary Story. Mary Story is not a nasty film. Mary Story is pretty yeah. good. So I'm only, only watch once. Only having two nasty films out of the Oscar Best Picture category. That's pretty Joker good. is very nasty. That is a that is a nasty. That best getting picture. nominated for like 18 that's Oscars disgusting. is insane. That's disgusting. <laughs> that's disgusting. Um, yeah. So it, it, no, no one was nominated from this film for uh, any acting awards, which I think, in retrospect. 
if you had a do-over, I think you probably give someone a acting nomination out of this. Uh, but let's talk about it. Uh, Parasite, 2019. Um, I think it was released early in 2019 and still was in the 2020 Oscars. But uh, greed, class, discrimination threaten the newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan. Uh, written and directed by Bong Joon-ho, Han Jin-wan had a screenplay credit on this as well. At two hours and 12 minutes, has an 8.5 on IMDb. You can find this on Hulu, by the way, because uh, Disney owns everything. So I think they also own 20th Century distributed this. Uh, Neon uh, produced yeah, it. Neon is the one I'm familiar with. I don't remember who, like, the American partner was, but yeah. So neon, a, a uh, classic for, for well, one foreign cinema, Mong Joon-ho partner, but also for um, uh, indie cinema as well. But um, 96 meta score. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see what the Rotten Tomatoes score is really quickly. Sorry. I thought I had that pulled up. I believe it is like a hundred. I think, it in like Toy Story or one of the ones. 99. What bozo? <laughs> I hate people, bro. Uh, 99% from critics. Uh, <sighs> I, 90% I, from uh, audience. I can't respect it, man. Like the 99s, it's always like one, maybe two people, depending on how many reviews there are, that are like Parasite, rotten. Paddington 2, rotten. Like, finding the- Nemo, rotten. Like, who are you, bro? Like, what is yeah. this? You don't even have to like love this. Like, literally, there's only two choices that you get on Rotten Tomatoes. It's either good or bad. So even if you are like, oh, this movie is not worth the hype for whatever reason you might think that, to get it rotten, you're just like, hey, this movie's actually bad. Like, we don't want to hear your movie opinions if you think this movie is actually. Oh bad. no. Okay, so like no top critics as displayed from that has like an actual and really all it means is that you have to think that the movie is at least like a 3.5 out of five yes yeah. exactly that, that's where just make a c on the test and you right. get, get like the little so you don't think like that means that you don't think that parasite was even a c like <laughs> what yeah, are we you're doing? like parasite actually asked like who are you bro who are these people Somebody's yeah, probably complaining about reading subtitles. I guarantee you, if you go look at their review, <laughs> it was a lot of reading and it was hurting my eyes and blah 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 blah. I'm sure that's what it was. Um, a lot of yeah, a lot of non uh, accredited uh, accredited reviewers here. So some satire, but not at its best, and ugliness filled in the rest. You just wanted to rhyme. <laughs> just wanted to get that shit off that's all he actually wrote that review before he saw the film he was like i'm gonna rhyme it's gonna be fucking awesome what does this mean the parasites have parasites yeah like that's that's the the, the, the whole thing like that's the, that's the point tony macklin what do you mean <laughs> hey tony that- macklin you fucking suck <laughs> um the so, title of this movie makes too much sense so this movie is bad <laughs> it applies um, actually, on too many levels <laughs> um actually uh so this was uh this was bong joon ho's um third i believe third 
internationally distributed film uh apart from i think uh snowpiercer was introduced him to american audiences okja uh was on netflix and also had people like uh, had american actors in it like uh jake gyllenhaal and i believe brad pitt produced that movie but this put it on a a uh, whole new level this is i believe one of the highest grossing movies or is the highest grossing movie uh internationally for uh a korean film uh 11 million dollar budget which that's insane this movie is insane looking only 11 million dollars but 263 million worldwide gross and it really just if i remember correctly and maybe correct me if i'm wrong but it just sort of bell uh, like the movies that we've seen recently, like everything everywhere all at once, it just would build. They really kind of let it go because I watched this. I think I rented this on my computer. It really just built and built and built and built by word of mouth. And all of a sudden, it, yeah, it made close to $300 million. Yeah. This was definitely the- one of those, if you know, you know, kind of movies like when it first came out in america and then it just kept going and going and everyone was like i mean parasite's amazing but there's no way the oscars are gonna like give it best picture they don't like things that are good their picture to the irishman or whatever blah 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 and they actually gave it best picture and everyone was like fuck yeah like we won we got one let's go did you yeah. say 11 million dollars was the budget Le- uh 11.4 yeah that is insane that is insane i did not know that um so yeah, one of I I I, I believe Bong Joon Ho's highest grossing movie, highest grossing movie in. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Like tweet at me, but I believe it's the highest grossing movie uh, for um, Korean cinema. Korea. Yeah. Uh, so it stars uh, Song Kang Ho uh, as the dad. He is in basically every single one of Bong Joon Ho's. He's like Bong Joon Ho's Leo. He is in all of his <laughs> movies. Uh, Sung Kyun Lee. Uh, Cho Young Young, Choi Woo Sik as as Ki Woo or Kevin, uh, Sodan Park as uh, Sodan Park as uh, Ki Jung or you know Jessica, and uh, Lee Jung Un as uh, as the mother. I forget her Moon Wong. Uh, but yeah, so uh, cast of other characters who have appeared in uh, in a lot of other Korean cinema, but. Um, it, Let's just, I mean, let's just, sorry, I'm rambling, but let's just get right into the reviews. Dex, uh, what did you think about it? Um, I think we all, going and looking back on it, Sodom Park as, as quote-unquote Jessica really stole the show for me in in this movie, just going back Incredible over the cast. Incredible. Yeah, Jessica's amazing. Uh, definitely my favorite character in the movie. Uh, but yeah, this movie is an A+. Love it. It's not a perfect film. There's a couple of things that I'll nitpick, like once we like get into it. But I love this movie. I loved it the first time I saw it in theaters back in the day. I had heard all the hype about it. Like this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's incredible. You have to go see it. Blah blah blah. Americans can't make movies like this. Whatever, whatever. And I was like, okay, sure. Like I'll go. I'll go see it. I had to drive like 30, 45 minutes out because it didn't come to my theaters here in Katy at the drive to a different AMC, like on the other side of Houston. And uh, the first half of this movie, I was sitting there like, I don't really, I don't really get what all the hype what is, is about. Like, like this is cool, but it ain't what y'all said it was like, this movie is fine, but like, it's not like anything great or anything. And then 
this woman rings the goddamn doorbell and it is the wildest ride I've ever been on in my life for the next like hour. Hour. I think <laughs> at the fifty-four minute mark, I think is when it uh, when it it's like basically happens. right at the halfway point of the movie, which I didn't realize watching it in theater because you don't really have a good sense of time when you're in the movies. But yeah, watching it back is like almost exactly at the halfway point of this movie, the whole shit just flips up and just goes up to eleven from there, and it's an incredible ride. It's a really great commentary on like class and greed and all that, which like is very obvious. People have been talking about that since this movie came out, but they're right. It's one of the few times where people are like, oh, this movie is super thought provoking and deep and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, actually, yes, I did. I, my thoughts were provoked. I have a lot of thoughts now. (laughs) (laughs) Normally people say that about shit like fight club and you know, other bullshit like that. And it's like, not thought provoking at all. Maybe it was in like, you know, 99 or whenever fight club came out but like now definitely not thought provoking like you should just read more books but this one it's like it's got some shit to say uh and i really appreciated that about it like i said not a perfect film there's a couple of things i'll nitpick once we like really get into it i think the ending is a little hand wavy uh a little hokey and uh i think that the movie gets a little lazy at points with the the rich family or the parks I think. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the movie gets a little lazy with their characterization, but, um, you know, not enough, definitely not enough to detract from what Bong Joon Ho did. He's a master. Uh, he gives great character work. He ties the character work into the visuals of the film really well. The sa- the film sounds amazing. Like it's, it gives you everything you would need. And even if you're not into all that, like super nerdy shit, you can just, just look at what's happening in front of you and be like, this is fucking wild and amazing and super entertaining. So that's hard to do with a, uh, with a foreign film, like getting just Amy one in America to be able dumb to American audiences. It. Yeah. Just be able to look at it and be like, this is fucking phenomenal, but they pulled it off. Squid game pulled it off for like nine out of 10 episodes or whatever it was. But this movie, uh, like is on another level even from that in my opinion so yeah a plus like nine and a half out of ten probably yeah uh i i followed up here in a second but teach go ahead i would also give it an a plus you if you're really seeing uh a plus is across the board everyone yeah Yeah, pass a plus same okay you're really seeing a genius at work with, with bong obviously he does a lot of um a lot of his films have to do with class on some level, whether it's at the front of the movie or, or in the subtext of the movie. Uh, so he's in his comfort zone with with issues that surround class and wealth and uh, wealth inequality. Um, and you really get the it as you rewatch. I think I saw this in the theaters three times, maybe four times. I've probably seen the movie now maybe eight or nine times. You really get the little the little touches that like a, a genius filmmaker puts in the movie. The scene where obviously the the scene that stands out the first time you were in the movie theater and you see when the uh, old housekeeper shows up, Moon Guang shows up, and she just kind of manic and the performance is just so good. Her face is kind of beat up even before she falls. Like there's just something that's off. Everything about the whole interaction is just off. And then you go down to the cellar. You're like, what the fuck is happening? All of a sudden, you're in tight quarters. The camera's behind. So you don't really know what's happening. The way that it's done is just so well, but it's the little touches of the movie that really make it amazing. The scene where 
um, when you first see the basement, when you first see that there is a basement and she goes down to the basement and she comes back up when she's getting the plum juice, when she comes back up and it's like backlit and the, the little light uh, from the cellar that uh, has a sensor on it goes off. Like, so like you see the settled backlit, but then it's off, but it's like in the background. I love that shot. There's the, there's another shot where there's a flashback between Moon Guang and her husband when they're upstairs in the house and they're dancing and they're enjoying the house in a different way than our main family enjoys the house. And you see the husband look at the camera because the uh, flashback is interrupted because in real time, they are now being attacked by our family. So like the way that they cut it is that you see that there's a disturbance, but you see that in the flashback and then you go back to real life. Like that stuff is just filmmaking. That stuff is just like movie nerd, filmmaking, directing. Most people don't care about shit like that, but people who really like movies love shit like that. There's stuff like that all throughout the movie. They don't show you how high the elevation is of the rich house. You just know that it's a big-ass house, and they're rich, and we know that our family lives in a sub-basement. And then when you finally see the scale of it, because they have to go down to where they live, it, it's like a five-minute scene where they're just going down and down and down, and the rain is getting worse and worse and worse. And this is the same rainstorm that was basically just like a little bit of rain on their lawn is like a catastrophic event down where our family lived to where everybody's sleeping in a gym. There's just so much obviously it's like you know right said the movie's really smart it is really smart but it's also really easy to understand on a basic level and you don't have to dig into the really smart stuff but you can if you want to you can engage the movie on multiple levels jessica's performance is great moon guang's performance is amazing all the performances are, are just great and like any flaws that i have with the film are just easily given away because there's so much good shit happening all at once it's a tight script it's two. What is it? Two fourteen, two thirteen. But it doesn't. Two twelve total runtime. It doesn't feel like a long movie because it's always nope. moving along. You never, you're never stalled at a, at a specific place. Like, okay, I get it. Like, we can move on to the next scene. It feels like every scene is cut nice and, and the way that it should. It doesn't feel like there's any fluff in the script. It's Not just an all. incredible ride and. I, I was enjoying the movie all the way through my first time watching it. I was not thinking, oh, it doesn't live up to the hype. But I had no idea what I was signing up for because that's see, once you go into that basement, it, it is off the rails. The movie gets insane. And you're just like, oh, my God, everything's happening all at once. And rewatching it now, it seems like we get it seems like you get to the birthday party scene so quickly. It seems like shit goes south so fast from when she walks into that when they walk into that basement. Now, all of a sudden, our main character's son guy is going down there with that rock to literally murder someone. He gets down there. He can't get the murder game down right. But now it looks like he's been murdered, or at least for a second, he's dead. And all of a sudden, you see the sister literally get stabbed up. Then you see the dad stab the rich dad. Like, the, the, there's just so much cool stuff in this movie. I just, I'm obsessed with it. I love it every time. A plus. I have a lot more to say about it, but I'll see to Royden and I'll get my bars off later. I love it. Um, I think when I watched this film, by the way, you were talking about the tightness of the of the script. Um, he did win for uh, best uh, screenplay. Also, yep. this won for Oscars, best international feature, best original screenplay. And uh, he also won, Bong won uh, for best achievement in directing. It was also nominated for production design, which I was talking to y'all about that last night. Um, and best achievement in film editing. I contend that it also should have been nominated for uh, best cinematography. Same. I'm shocked that it wasn't. Uh, let me yeah. find the cinematographer so I can give him his, give him his flowers. Um, Hong Kyung Pyo. I'm going to 
butchered that name. I apologize. Also did Snowpiercer and The Wailing and a few other uh, Bong Joon-ho films as as well. Snowpiercer is awesome. I love that movie. Anyway, um, should have been nominated for best. Uh, should have been nominated for best cinematography as well. Anyway, uh, the script. The best thing that I can say about this movie is, um, even though, and I don't watch a ton of foreign films, I, I just haven't. I've started to more now that I, uh, I don't know, that I'm an adult, <laughs> just to be completely honest. I was just like, okay, sure. I watch subtitles anyway on normal everyday TV. I might as well watch some <laughs> incredible cinema that I've just deprived myself of. All that to say, if you've never seen this film and you're hung up on the subtitle part of it, uh, the this film works without words almost. You really kind of understand what's happening the entire time. Yep. Even if like you're a slow reader like me or something and you miss, <laughs> you just miss some parts of dialogue. Um, and that's just me being a stupid American. I'm just saying it works so well because it's positioned so well and flows so well that you kind of are with it the entire time. Uh, yeah, regardless. You look at it and see yeah, what's you happening. Just look at it. And because of the set design, which they were nominated for an Academy Award, it kind of hits you over the head, no pun intended, with a rock. And it's just like, <laughs> hey, uh, this is about the class system. In case you don't know, it goes up and down. <laughs> and yeah, the poor the, people down, rich people yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, in the entirety of this movie, you're constantly walking back and forth between levels and tiers, and it, it's really beautifully made. Um, how how they did that, and also there's some posters for this movie that show that as well. This also has some some incredible posters. I don't know if you've seen the one where it's like the outside of the house and the levels of the house, and and the some of the. Uh, Dex knows what I'm talking about, but some of the characters yep. are in certain levels of the house talking about the class system. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the, the conversation about uh, capitalism and everything, obviously that's what this movie is about. Um, I'm too dumb to diagnose those parts of the movie. I know great film look good. And so it was, <laughs> that's all that I got to say about it. Really. It, it just, and it flows incredibly well from scene to scene and and at certain points in the movie like a lot of Bong Joon-ho movies that I've kind of noticed it, it it sort of all of a sudden becomes a thriller a horror movie out of yep. nowhere yep and I text y'all I said did this just be when she shows up at the door it, it becomes a horror movie because you're following the mother who usurped her, basically following her around in POV. She's freaking out. And like all of a sudden, then all of a sudden there's this crazy guy down in the basement and you're like, Oh no, what is, what is this? <laughs> it, it just, the way that it's shot and how dark it is in that second half of the movie is incredible. Now, and you know, you, you say a lot of, you know, a lot of these modern filmmakers have, been inspired by each other like fincher like tarantino bong joon ho has also been inspired by all of those guys and they have inspired him as well i believe like memories of a murder inspired a lot a lot of zodiac for fincher and and then bong joon ho even thanked 
uh, and he's not a quote unquote modern filmmaker, but he even thanked Scorsese at the Oscars speech. And you can just see a lot of that influence also seep into this movie. The Tarantino-ness and the, the, the Fincher violence of it all at the very end, that's straight from American cinema because his yeah. other stuff is violent, but like memories of a murder and stuff te- like teeters on showing you that violence. This is just like, we are going to show you all of this violence and stab We are killing you. folk. And, it's yeah. time. <laughs> and that is very much Tarantino, David Fincher, Fincher uh, so on and so forth, that have sort of inspired him along in his career as well. And they've, you know, they've sort of crossed and, and, and inspired each other. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out. That's a kind of a nerdy thing that I've recently come upon that they've sort of been watching each other's films for all of these years which is a really cool thing uh to see glimpses of that in this film um they should have they should have nominated i don't know i i love jessica's performance in this movie i thought that she was like she was king shit in this in this whole thing she was just the the worst she's the best at being the worst person and she did not care about anybody else, and it came. Yeah, I want to. Like, I want to talk more about that. Like, yeah. once you're done with your review, she's she's yeah. the best because she knows that they're the worst. Yeah, she embraced that fully, and I think just her line delivery and how snarky and everything else she was. Of of, of course, the dad's performance. He has been incredible in all of uh, Bong Joon Ho's, uh, in all of Bong Joon Ho's movies, in, including, like I said, Hulu has these movies so memories of a murder is is fantastic and i i gotta go back and i gotta watch the host anyway i'm rambling this movie set the bar for what modern thrillers and modern conversations about movies can be um going forward and it's great that other people are taking these risks in in foreign or foreign countries in other countries besides America, because there, it just shows that there is still room for this kind of cinema in America. And we're not getting too much of it. And I just think that there is still room for, for these sort of edge of your seat, smart thrillers. And on top of everything else, like I said, that a lot of his movies sort of, edge on horror thriller stuff all of a sudden halfway through his movies there's just comedy throughout this entire movie this, this movie, movie is funny hilarious. as fuck it's really funny <laughs> like people are like falling down and shitting and pissing themselves and like just the, some of the commentary that they have about you know each other and how heightened the performances of the uh, park family are like the mother of the park family is like has fainting spells and stuff like that and it's just that sort of humor and how the old housekeeper just fucking roasting them like it's incredible (laughs) yeah it's just there's a lot of lot of funny dialogue and a lot of funny moments in this otherwise batshit insane movie that he just takes the time to be like i'm gonna throw in a joke like why not it's it's really really funny um this movie's an a plus it definitely deserved um to win the oscar i remember being underwhelmed by it when i first watched it because like i said i think i watched it on my laptop because i wasn't going to be able to get this movie in waco it just never came <laughs> um and uh yeah so i watched it on my laptop Rewatching it again it was way more edge of my seat actually 
which is hard to say about most films, but I love this movie. Yeah. Incredible film. I think pretty easily the best, best picture winner since I've started caring about the Oscars over the past, like we can go back there. I'll look it up. But uh, yeah, I love this movie. You, you mentioned Jessica and her being the worst and then making her the best character. I want to talk about that because that's one of the things that I really noticed on rewatch. This is my second time seeing the film. I only watched it the one time in theaters and then never got to revisit it again until now. Um, but everybody in this movie stinks. <laughs> yeah, you re- you realize that not only does everyone in this movie kind of suck, but the rest of the the Kim family—that's the main family, right? The Kims. Yes. They they don't realize that's Mr. Kim, right that Mr. Kim is the rich guy. Yes. No. It's, wait. What? I, Mr. Right. What's the name? Of, oh no. Sorry. The rich guys are the Parks. The Parks and the Kim. Got it. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, the rest of the Kim family—they don't realize that they're bad people and they're like yeah. trying to avoid that fact. But Jessica's like, nah, bro, we suck. But like, it doesn't matter. Fuck them. Like, I'm gonna get my bread. Yeah. <laughs> like fuck them. And I, I really appreciated that on uh, rewatch. Cause I also noticed like, yeah, y'all are like fucking terrible people. First time I watched it, I was like, you know, I am not rich. I, I wouldn't say that I'm as best as the, kim's are in this uh movie but i am not rich so you kind of identify with the kim family and you're like really for them to pull off the finesse or whatever the first time you watch it and then the second time you're like oh y'all oh they're kind of awful <laughs> like yeah. low-key and uh they and you notice them like trying to talk themselves out of it they're like oh you know well that driver that we screwed over and like ruined his life he'll be fine he'll be all right like, yeah i'll get it back it's like, like fuck him i don't care about him yeah fuck him like i don't give a fuck if he got it back or not like i'm trying to get mine and uh you know eventually like like the things that they do get worse and worse and like they literally are responsible for multiple people's deaths but like they don't seem to understand that they're like constantly talking themselves out of like being the bad guy like at one point like the mom is literally like uh you know, you would be a great con man if you wanted to con people. So you've been conning people this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you now realize you are a con man? man. She's literally, literally forging documents. <laughs> like, you would be a great con man. What do you mean, would? Like, you're doing it. <laughs> so I really appreciated that Jessica was the one to be like, like, yeah, we're ass, but it doesn't matter. Like, fuck them. We're trying to get ours. And then I mean, Kevin yeah, is like, she's super rich she's, suits you. Like, yeah, she's you super aware like of, here. she's also super aware of like the social norms, whereas like Kevin is trying to sort of uh, be nice around it and be nice to yeah. the daughter, which is another weird storyline, which I don't know why these filmmakers continue to put underage romances in their films. Yeah, we didn't uh, talk about that in any of our reviews, but that shit is weird. <laughs> yeah, that's probably my biggest nitpick in the movie is like, why... Anyway, but the we'll talk about it. But the the Kevin tries to like I don't know fit in and tries to ha- have niceties around this. Where Jessica is like, I literally just I think I think the mother's a dipshit. So I just googled art theory art and she therapy. ate yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she ate it hate, hook line and sinker because I know she's stupid or yeah, whatever. Improvise the rest like she like she doesn't like she doesn't get it. But yeah, 
uh, you know, she knows all of this shit. Like, she knows she's the bad guy. She knows that what she's doing is wrong. Doesn't matter. She's still going to get hers. And, like, Kevin, I think, notices that and, like, points it out. Like, you, oh, you, like, belong here with the rich people. You're just like them. He's really not, um, like, he doesn't really fit in with them. And, uh, you know, they kind of talk about that. He talks about that with his like teen bread that he's trying to <laughs> woo, uh, that he doesn't fit in. But yeah, I really appreciated that about like the rewatch of this film. Like Jessica, Jessica gets it. Jessica, Jessica knows her shit. I think and you really go ahead, teach. I think one of the, the difference between Jessica and Kevin is always so stark to me because I think Kevin is like trying to like acclimate and like assimilate into that life. Like, Oh, I'm going to get with this girl. I'm going to get married. Like he sees a way to get there full-time i want to be a part of this i don't want to be separate then and be the quote-unquote parasite to this family i want to incorporate myself into the stratosphere that where these people exist whereas jessica never sees that or aspires to that when he says you belong in the house she's just like well you know let me get the house first so we can talk about it because she sees it she she sees the line in the sand as something that's immovable well, she wants to. She would rather just usurp them. Like I deserve more than yes, these like, people. Like, I can just take it from them, but I don't want to be them, right? Like Kevin wants to be them. Jessica's like, no, they are, uh, they are on this side of the line. I'm on this side of the line, and because of where I was born, this is where I stay. And it's like in her head, in her brain, it's more regimented. Whereas in Kevin's brain, it's like, well, I can have some upward mobility. But Jessica isn't seeking upward mobility. She's just seeking like I'm going to put myself in a different position, but I'm not going to ever be like them. And she doesn't really do anything like the character. She the reason why her performance is so good is because she's got more depth she can go to the character she is with her family and the character she is when she first gets to the house for the interview, for example, are just so different. Like she, mm-hmm. she's, she's so like fucking a true confident. psychopath. She's yeah, just like, an she's incredible so, liar. She's so confident to the point where she's like arrogant. She gets there. She's already bossing the mom around. The mom asks Kevin, hey, I want to sit in on your lesson. Kevin's like, okay, sure. Come sit in because Kevin's like, I don't have any control here. Jessica's immediately like, before she even gets a job, she's like, no, you're not coming into the room with me. Yeah, like, fuck off. Like, get out of here. She comes in and starts throwing her dick around. Like, th- this is just what I can do. And it's like the, the way that they both approach it differently is so, so cool. As opposed to writing them, that making them similar, they're written very differently. And I think those differences really help the movie to find its wings because you have two very different characters. I mean, all four of the main characters are very different. But those two characters especially are so different in the way that they see the same problem that it becomes a really cool way to look at it through the prism of the movie. Yeah, and I think um, I think it was also interesting sort of the, the characterization of the dad of regardless of what was happening, always kind of feeling less than the entire time. And obviously it leads up to the climax of the movie which you know is like you said dex is sort of it's sort of hand wavy but it, it it interesting characterization from him because he's been in it for so long that he's mm-hmm. sort of downtrodden really as where his wife is always constantly like yeah you need to come and do this and do this and do this and and she's she's down for the entire thing too it's not like there's this uh, mother character like we see in a lot of movies like that's sort of this moral compass that's a really you know, yeah. the mom is like, no, you know, we, we got to keep we got to keep making, uh, you know, making hay while the sun shine. Basically, I think what happens with the dad is like he always kind of had this like 
this dream and this idea like and kevin eventually has it right like that he could yeah, work at least his way there's up. some interesting conversations between could, the two of like, them at the end of yeah, the movie like he could work his way up he could like you know eventually do enough to like become them right like yep. he could like you know deal with whatever he's whatever hand he gets dealt and eventually it, you know, through hard work or whatever, like he'll get into these places, he'll be comfortable, he'll do whatever. And then he realizes, Oh, I'm around them now. Like I thought I wanted. And they think I smell bad. Like, and like they don't like me never, anyway. Yeah. They'll never see me as an equal to them. Even like, doesn't matter yeah. how nice I'm, I, I pretend to be to them or what, like, they think I smell bad and I'm less than and I'm always going to be less than I'm always going to be different and so like he ends up you know literally killing the guy because he makes that realization and he like can't like take it anymore he's like well fuck like I gotta kill this fucking guy and uh, you know Kevin at the end of the movie he has that same hope that his dad just lost that led him to like murder a guy so you know who knows what happens for Kevin after that but you know i think that's like a very interesting thing like his dad loses his hope and then kevin that's like the only thing he has to cling to by the end of the movie so it's just like a repeating cycle basically i think that's a really good great job out of bong joon ho to like kind of set that up what do we think about resolving it what do we think about resolving it like the end? And I know we, everybody wants to talk about the, the end of this movie, but like, what do we think about resolving it at the end of this with violence? Is it, does it feel too abrupt? Like, what did we think about sort of all of that? Like, I understand the crazy guy's motivations. You killed his wife, but, and he's been, it, he's very insane in this movie. It's kind of a, kind of a shock, really, the characterization of that guy. I mean, it makes sense, though. He's He's been been locked up underground for like four years. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But it is such a stark difference from everybody. Like, how insane he is. He's sort of like, you know, wide eyed and really like not there. It's a really great performance by that guy, but it's super unsettling in contrast to the rest of these people who are also faking faking it until they make it even the rich people are like faking it until they make it really and then all of a sudden you just have this stark contrast of this guy who is the veils off for this guy really and he just comes out and he resolves it with violence but what do we think about the very end of this guy or not of this guy of this movie the father's killing another father resolving it with violence is there some sort of message there that i'm missing or is it just he's fed up i think there's definitely a message and i think the that messaging starts in the scene where the, every, all both families are in the basement. The way that they are, the, if the mom goes down there and, and the, you know, the other housekeeper is like, hey, here's a little bit of money. Can you just help me? Can you just keep this a secret? And the mom, the first, the mom's first reaction is to look down on this family and say, oh, my God, you are living down here. Why don't I call the cops on you? Don't call me. Yep. Sis. Like, it's an even strata her, lower. Yeah. yeah, she meets her immediately. Like, she's looking. She And, and it's like they hit you over the head with it because later – the dad asked the, the husband, well, how do you live down here? And the, and the guy literally says, a lot of people live in basements. A lot of people live below ground, even people that live in sub-basements. Obviously, our family lives in a sub-basement, and they know that they are down bad. But because of, because of what they learned about this other family, they immediately look down on them. You live in someone's basement? Oh, my God. So, like, they really treat this family with disdain, and that is how it works when you have people that are dealing with 
class warfare. You have people that are on the same level or in the same class that see each other as different because I, I see myself as above you. And so because I see myself mm-hmm. as above you, I treat you like I am treated by people who are yeah. thinking they're above me. I need to be above somebody and yes. it's going to be you. As long as I can look down at somebody, I can always keep that in my back pocket. And so the uh, the way that that plays out is now every now these families are warring families that could all work together because they're already feeding the six people. Like six people were already eating off of this. Well, five, I guess, because the wife's not there anymore. But basically two families are eating off of this big family. Right. And if they found a way to coexist, we could have kept it going. But because they couldn't, they didn't even consider trying to make it coexist. It all falls apart and it ends in violence because now you've committed a violent act against the wife by mistake. But, you know, in, 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 in the craziness, the wife dies. Now he comes out and there's all these rich people out there and he reveres the rich guy. But he literally finds the first person associated with the poor family and stabs her. And this thing plays out in violence because I think Bong's trying to make a point of like, I think the overarching point of this movie what I always take from it is like, these are not bad people. The six people, the six poor people in the movie are not bad people. I think what Bong is trying to say, and he says this across his films, I think, is that the circumstances that people are placed in because of the societies in which they live in and the social stratas in which they end up in because of economics puts people in situations where they are not the best version of themselves. When, the, when, the, when our family is sitting in the house drinking whiskey, the mom says, being rich is like an iron. It, you, it, you can be the best version of yourself. And when you have money, you can iron out all the kinks. He's like, rich people are always nice. We all know that that's not the case. Rich people are not always nice. In fact, rich people are some of the worst people to exist on the planet. Like, <laughs> like Jeff Bezos is rich. He's awful. Like Elon Musk is rich. He's one of the worst people to ever exist. But God, he but, fucking sucks. Fuck that guy. <laughs> but these niceties and these like being nice and interacting with people, we see how the family was talking about these people when they were home by themselves or thought they were by themselves. This guy stinks. He smells like the subway. Like these are not these rich people are not nice people. But from from the bottom, you look up and they think if, if I had all the money in the world, I'd be the nicest person ever. But because I'm where I am, I got to grind. I got to hustle and I might have to take food off of somebody else's plate because of, of, of my circumstances. So I think it makes perfect sense that this ends in violence, because unfortunately, that is that is what capitalism does to people. There are a lot of there are a lot of violence committed. Every year, every day, that is a direct result of the economic circumstances of the people that are committing of insecurity. Yeah, uh, it's also about that. Like, it's about that grind set, guys. Get your money up. <laughs> also, it makes sense that it ends in violence because, like, first of all, they literally killed this guy's wife, and also they like tied him up in a basement. So, no, like, yeah. I, you know, I'm saying for him, but I was saying the 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 violence between between Kim and. Uh, park at the very end where oh just, between where Kim and park yeah i mean yeah. i get it like he reached he reached that breaking point right like but yeah he just saw his i just saw his daughter his whole, die like if you yeah, want to explain like, it away like practically he just saw his daughter die and also he reached like just like a mental breaking point like i am just stuck here at the bottom like i am stuck here in the sub basement like for my entire life i will always smell like the subway rich people will always look down on me no matter what i do no matter how well I drive their cars or how nice I am to them or whatever, like I am always going to be at the bottom. Like you just couldn't take that anymore. So I killed the guy, you know? Um, and also you mix in the disdain, like while his daughter is dying, <laughs> like it's, right. you know, it's a lot for him, but so I get it. But yeah, I want to talk about uh, what Teed said about the, the six poor people not being 
bad as just being the circumstances and like that I mentioned in my review that the movie gets a little lazy I feel like with the cause some of the commentary because I think it just assumes that you watching this movie you think rich people are bad and so it's like okay so the parks are bad yeah. but like the parks really aren't that bad in this movie to me. <laughs> like they, they I, I don't think they haven't done anything wrong. I don't think they did anything wrong rich. to anybody. Like they just have a nice house and they want what's best for their children and they're willing to pay for that. Like they're I don't weird. They're like weird, weirdly like they don't they don't know how to interact with like normal everyday people because they're so rich. But that doesn't make them. They're bad. weird. They're gullible. But like they don't, they don't really do anything wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, obviously, like the big thing is that they say these people smell bad. They smell like the subway. But it's like I'm, they do smell bad. And also, <laughs> I'm in my own home. Like you're not supposed to be here. Like, you're not, you're not supposed to be under my Republican fucking coffee Dex. table. <laughs> yeah, Dex gets smothered to the screen. Dex is the movie theater holding his nose. Like, oh, my God. oh, yeah, <laughs> yo, nasty bitches. But it's like. Yo, I'm literally at my at my house. It's like three in the morning. I'm sitting here watching my kid like camp in the backyard. You're not supposed to be here. The only That's reason fair. that you <laughs> the only reason you heard me talking shit about you is because you were conning my family and like drinking our whiskey for free. Like we didn't do anything to you. You just smell bad. Like I don't I remember that scene hitting me because of the the dad's performance sitting there like having to listen to that guy talk shit about him when he's been driving her around i remember watching that for the first time and thinking oh man this really sucks like stuff like that always hits me like when people talk in movies and media when people are getting talked down to that i yeah. hate that like it always hits my heart like i'm just it like does oh, hit. Yeah. I, I don't i don't like this also that scene but, was so fucking tense dude i was yeah like, and also you're you're on super the edge worried. of my seat in the theater. but then i yeah, you're like on your edge of your seat because they're sitting there talking over them, literally. And they're like finger banging each other, finger uh, popping finger each other's assholes. <laughs> 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 like, uh, uh, underneath the coffee table. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're literally. She's but, like, give me drugs. Give me, buy me drugs. Buy me buy drugs. Me drugs. <laughs> buy me drugs. <laughs> that was yeah, so Jesus. Um, but they're sitting there and. You would it would be a bigger deal that scene, and it is, and it's made to be, and it's made to be tense. But we literally just killed a woman. <laughs> we literally just kicked a woman down the stairs. You yeah, almost forget. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You saw her hit her head hard, yeah. hard, you and then they just go into the scene. Hit the, fucking the first time she fell, she should have been dead. I don't know how she survived that first fall. That she yeah. caused on her own by trying to push that shelf because she fell hard as shit. <laughs> when she fell, <laughs> I laughed out loud when she was pushing the thing and she, when she was pushing the bookshelf and she fell and just boom and like hit twice and roll. I laughed so out. hard. Oh my God. But yeah, you would think that got to dedicate her brain to science, bro. CZE research needs to be done. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, she she came over the middle on like on Ray Lewis, like it just <laughs> it was it was tough. But she, uh, but that scene of them talking down on those people while they're on the couch hits hard, but it hits a little less hard on rewatch when you realize that they just killed a woman. Yeah, <laughs> like let's let's go back to this. Let's go back <laughs> to that thing. You know what I mean? 
And also, how did we, how did we not see this dude's feet crawling like a, like the dog and Family Guy, like away from? Like, yeah, they just didn't look to their left, like at all. Not once. Didn't hear a guy scraping himself across the floor, like. No like peripheral the, vision whatsoever. <laughs> Their awful. Madden vision cone is just a straight line. Like there's nothing. So, it's the Michael Vick Madden vision cone. <laughs> yeah. Um, the yeah. So uh, that scene did hit me hard when I first watched it, but yeah, yeah, it was a little bit less of a blow <laughs> when when somebody's dying on in in a basement. You just gave somebody CTE, and also like you're not supposed to be here. Like you. <laughs> You're hiding under my couch. Like, I should be able to talk shit about people in the privacy of my own home. Like, I should be able to do that. That should be fine. Society has to allow for us to talk shit about people in the privacy of our own homes, in my opinion. Like, That's let rich let people talk their shit. Yeah, you're not supposed to be in my house. So, I'm uh, like, my house is the place where I'm supposed to be able to talk shit about all my coworkers and everybody on the outside world. Yeah, I pay you well. And like I paid you extra to come to my son's birthday party. Like you, I invited you to my son's birthday party in front of all of my rich friends who also probably will think you smell bad, but like that's between me and them. Yeah. <laughs> how um how disgusting was the 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 flood scene? Uh, oh my god. <laughs> Insane. I forgot Listen. how gross that was. I was like going, who? Like, how, when she sits on the toilet and it like smoking that cigarette. It's a great shot, by the way. Incredible. But it, it, it is so gross. <laughs> so gross. Um, and we got to talk about. Yeah, just sitting there vibing like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck like, what it. am I going to do? <laughs> Probably going to get electrocuted when I step in this water. Like, whatever. I've walked um, home 30 miles in the fucking rain. Like, and now my house is full of sewage water. I was chilling in like these rich people's nice ass jacuzzi bathtub, and now I'm sitting here smoking. Literally two hours ago, like, yeah. This movie cost eleven million dollars. It's like it's so good looking. The house, the, the 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 rich people house, is so good looking. The way they did the water stage with the levels of the sub basement, like that seems expensive. Like eleven, it, it is insane to me that this movie cost eleven million dollars. That's insane to me. Historically, water and stuff in movies costs a lot of money. Um, That's how I think about it. Yeah. So I don't know. It. Uh, he's always sort of made his. I think his most expensive movie is probably Okja, but that's because Netflix will throw. I'm probably pronouncing it Okja, Okja, but uh, Netflix will throw millions of dollars at anybody to make make movies. Um, <laughs> Netflix yeah, gave Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson millions of dollars to make a movie called Unicorn Store. Like, Netflix doesn't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. money, money is not real to Netflix. <laughs> yeah, uh, Okja was uh, 50, a $50 million budget and it got money is nowhere not real near they are running nowhere a near the price. And they're like, fuck it, we're going to just give anyone however much money they ask for to make anything. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, and then Snowpiercer, which rightfully so, Snowpiercer was a forty million dollar budget. Makes um, sense. but that was Harvey Weinstein's movie, so who the fuck cares? Have you all heard that story about no. uh Bong Joon Ho no. interacting with uh, Harvey Weinstein? No. Nope. Apparently, the story goes, and he told this on like a talk show a long a long time later that that he wanted to you know get his movies into the mainstream, and and Harvey Weinstein. Uh, whatever company that was, the Weinstein company, Weinstein but company. yeah, but um, 
uh, found to, you know, sort of has seen his films and wanted to give him money to make an American movie with an American cast that was Snowpiercer, which if you haven't seen it, it's been on Netflix forever. Incredible movie. Also a really great movie about uh, class warfare. Captain uh, America's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it, this kind of the story goes that they wanted to make it more Americanized and less, um, I, I, I don't know. Korean. Like, no, no, no. Like more for American audiences where they were going to cut a bunch of like stuff about the class warfare and stuff out of the film. And there's a certain scene. And, and if you've seen the movie, they take a, uh, they take like a fish and dip their knives and stuff into the fish blood. And it's yep. a really kind of affecting shot. It's real weird and ominous. And Harvey once they wanted to cut that entire part out of the movie that led up to it. It's like a three minute scene leading up to this incredible fight. Regardless, Harvey Weinstein said he wanted to cut the thing out of out of the movie. Uh, Bong Joon Ho comes up and he says, "No, we have to leave this movie in this shot." My my father was a fisherman. It means a lot. It's a, it's an homage to what he had to deal with as a fisherman. Yada yada yada. And so they ended up leaving it in the movie as well with a lot of other shots that he wanted to to uh, keep in. And um, once the movie was released, he said, "Yeah, I lied about all that shit. Fuck him." Bong <laughs> <laughs> is a hero. Yeah, fuck yeah. that guy. By the way, I lied. Yeah, he's he's basically. Yeah, after all that stuff came out, he's like, I, I just lied to that guy to make my movie. I don't care. Yes. And fuck Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> he deserved it. Yeah. Fuck him. So that's an incredible story. I think you can find it on YouTube or uh, just Google it. But yeah, that he kept that. He kept that in there. Snowpiercer, go watch it. An incredible movie, but um, let's talk about Kevin. Real yeah, quick. the my, Kevin my a romance oh. story. Uh, mm, if we look, how old do you think this girl is? Like sixteen? Like she's, she's fourteen? Maybe fourteen? No, fifteen? She's, she's two years away from going to college, so she can't be fourteen. She's like sixteen. Say, okay. Yeah, I'll give you sixteen. That's, that's, yeah. I thought she was a sophomore in, in high school. Yeah, so that's, that's like sixteen, right? That's like sixteen. I don't know. Okay, 16. Kevin is how old? Uh, he's Kevin has literally done military Two? service already, so we don't know how old he was. He's supposed to have graduated from college, quote-unquote. Yes, like, he, he's, he's at least 22 because he's supposed to have graduated from college, and he did military service. So this he's probably in his mid-20s. Like You have to do military service in Korea. Like That is a mandate. Like Israel and a bunch of other companies, or companies, countries, you have to do military service, I believe, right out of high school. Or if you don't go to, if you go to college, I believe it's it's right out of college. So at some point, you're going to have to do two years. That's insane right. because now we're talking six years with college and military. So he's, he's like 25, 26. And this woman is, this girl is 15, 16. That's nasty, bro. And his friend was doing the same thing. Same thing. That that fucked me up, for real. Because the friend was like, I was going to, like, uh, keep redshirting her. I was going to keep the sophomore on the bench for a little bit. (laughs) But you clearly, you are bitchless. You are not a threat to me at all. So you can come and tutor this high school sophomore for that me. That was nasty. He like, look, all those college ready. kids, got a lot going for him. You got nothing going for you. I'm not even worried at all if you get around my girl, bro. So you, you, you are bitchless. Not even this child will want to be with you. Bitchless. So please, 
come hold this down for me until I come back. <laughs> like, what the fuck are we doing, bro? You got no bitches, and you never gonna have no bitches. So please come watch them for me, please. <laughs> it's a weird. I, it, it's it's weird too because it's almost like they wanted to say like this girl also like likes to get her claws into whoever is tutoring her sort of storyline as yeah, well. It's weird. Because she falls in love but, with Kevin literally the first time she sees him. Like, in the first scene, she's like, her pulse is going fast. Like, she she had this other boyfriend, and she jumped off him immediately when Kevin walked in the door, bro. Like, yeah, and but it's also weird because, like, you're 36. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we doing here? If, like, if we shat on, and I still haven't seen it, but licorice pizza for this exact same. It, granted, it's not the main storyline in this movie so we can enjoy the movie outside of it whereas like with licorice pizza the, it is licorice the pizza, movie. that's the whole thing that's it, it that's is the movie. reason the movie exists <laughs> it's, it's so weird and i don't know why filmmakers continue to do this and we love bong joon ho but like and he's not the only one to have, have done this like historically like his corsese has done it they did it in the godfather like it's just i don't get the it, it like does it give him something to aspire towards that oh there's an in route for me to to be part of this, this family? family i guess i don't you can still just like, age her up like, yeah you can have the same storyline just age her up the same thing we said about the godfather like the, the storyline works just age. you don't have to make her 14 or whatever the fuck she was like it, it just age her up she he can still have the end make it so that she's in the summer the year before she goes to college or something yeah and he's she's studying for college prep exams or yeah. something like yeah it's just weird it is a weird storyline in this movie and like look it doesn't ruin the movie but no, it is one of those it a pluses like yeah like, but it is one of those things when you're watching it and you're like mm, nasty like, yeah what what's for like why 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 come <laughs> I don't understand. Um, we really got to stop doing that. We there's been at least four movies on this podcast that I can think of that we have covered where we have to have a segment where we're like, oh, by the way, there's a really creepy old man young woman dynamic here. We wish it wasn't here because we enjoy this movie despite this. Dynamic. Yeah, a lot. Like, <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's talk about the ending. We're running a little long just discussing this movie in circles, but let's talk about the the very ending. Tej, we were talking about it off pod. What do you think about? Um, the ending like as a whole because the ending ends for like it ends for like 20 minutes yeah it it wakes up with him out of a coma and it kind of just continues to like go to go down the line it really takes it as for a movie that moves really quickly the very finale of it takes its time ending jessica r.i.p 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 shout out to the legend yeah but it Dex, you were saying it was hand wavy. TJ, I want to get your thoughts on it, and Dex will let you wrap that up. It seems like y'all hate Morse code, the Morse code part of it more than I do. I, I didn't, I didn't mind it. I, I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. Uh, I and I, I like the all the over like when he, Kevin, you're obviously doing the Kevin. He's talking about the way he views this now and the way the future is now. I think it makes sense to have the dad be the new parasite in the basement. I think that makes perfect sense. But as far as like all the other stuff. I didn't love it or hate it, and, and, it, and he already got so much leeway with me that he could have ended the movie however he wanted to, to be honest. I was just having such a great time. As long as he didn't shit all over it, like I was going to enjoy the ending. But the ending is not my favorite part of the movie. It's actually my least favorite part of the movie. I love the ride-up. I obviously love the middle, which is the best part of the movie. 
the ending is just like okay, it's it's a cool, it's a good ending, but I don't, I, I'm not going to defend it or say that I love it. I I was saying to Dex off pod that I thought that there was a school of thought that thinks that he's actually dead, that he never really woke up from that coma or whatever. So everything that he's saying, I mean, that would be too. That would be too on the nose, I feel like, or maybe just stupid. But it is it, – there is a school of thought that says, oh, well, he's just dead. But I think – That makes sense. I yeah, I, I think the – Him being alive. I think I like that that uh, version more. I think the daydream sequences then flashing back to them both being in sort of their own prisons is fine enough. Um, it does kind of give you a 180. I don't know if you need that flash of him oh hey i actually did for you maybe it's a father-son thing that bong joon wanted to walk in there because like i said the last the last third of this movie is a lot between the father and son of like apologizing yeah. to each other for like their sins basically uh but yeah so dex what did, what were you saying it was it was hand wavy yeah i mean it just they have to do so much explaining like of how this movie ended and why that makes sense that they didn't have to do before. Right. Because like this movie doesn't really have, like, I don't really remember there being a whole lot of narration from Kevin at the beginning of the movie, if at all. And then all of a sudden it's all narration from Kevin, like for like the last like 20 minutes of this movie, him being like, okay, so what happened was I was in a coma and then I woke up and they said I didn't have to go to jail, which was cool, but my sister was dead and my dad, I don't know where he is. They thought I knew where he is, but I don't know where he is. But I went over to the house because I can just do that like as the terms of my probation. I can just go back to the scene of the crime and that's fine. Oh, <laughs> good. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> like Nobody cares. I can just show back up to this house. And I can sit here for hours and watch this man like spell out uh, several pages of uh, uh, like a fucking apology letter to me in Morse code. And then I can go home on the subway that I can now afford to ride and I can just uh, translate all this Morse code and like blah, blah, blah. It's like, like we don't. This is a lot of explaining. This feels like a lot of exposition, like right at the end, where you have to kind of be like, "This is this is what happened. This is how it happened. Cool, uh, you know, this is the movie's over now." Uh, didn't love it, and then like the whole thing, I get it, where it's like, uh, you know, they show this vision of him like making enough money to buy the house and freeing the dad. It's like very emotional and cool. And then at the end of the movie, you realize obviously that's not fucking possible. Like if it was, <laughs> if it was just that simple, like they would have been rich already. Like if he could just make his mind up one day, like yeah, I'm also, gonna get rich. If the police are not following you anymore. Just break him out of the house because clearly yeah. he's getting food somehow. Like uh, also you could, that you know. Uh, anyway, well, sorry. Like, yeah, I just I just didn't love the ending. I I it felt hand wavy. It felt like a lot of. You have to take a lot of leaps with the end of the movie. Like, first of all, you have to believe that just no one ever looked back even once while they were fleeing the house. Like, just nobody turned around at all ever yeah. at any point. Um, you know, so like it doesn't it doesn't ruin the movie or anything. Like, we all gave it A pluses. We all love this movie. I just the ending, I don't know. It left me a little lacking. I would have rather Kevin just just died, honestly. Like that feels a little better to me. I forgot how violent uh, he hits Kevin with that rock. <laughs> like it shows him like it cuts away. 
and then all of a sudden it pans out to a wide and he throws the rocket and hits him in the head again. <laughs> I forgot about that. There's so much blood on the ground. Dude. <laughs> yeah. How is he not dead? I don't understand. Yeah. And like, I get it. Like the whole thing about like, I watched, I read some commentaries of this movie after watching it again. And they were like, you know, the something I didn't know about Korean culture, like those, those rocks are supposed to be like special gifts or whatever, like and represent wisdom and all these other things. Well, they great say this one's supposed to be wealth, right? Yeah, something like that. But like his is fake because it floats in water and like it's not a real stone. And oh. you know, his this friend is a piece of shit. Uh it gave him a fake ass rock. So like it's not as heavy as it should be, et cetera, et cetera. But it's oh, like that's, that's a lot of blood, bro. Like, yeah. like regardless of how oh, heavy the rock ah. is, it's a lot of blood, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's been Parasite. Uh, go watch it. It's on Hulu, uh, along with a lot of other uh, Bong Joon Ho films. I still need to watch The Host. Uh, I don't like horror movies that much, but apparently, it's one of the best horror movies of Does all time. Mean, you're not excited about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, like I am. Can Absolutely we talk about not. that? <laughs> uh, what the this fuck guy, is th- wrong with you people guys we're not seeing this I'm seeing this <laughs> I, I don't know I have always said Teach. that Winnie the Pooh is a deviant from the beginning Teach. I'm glad it finally has come to fruition just because just because Mr. Blah Blah wears his shirt like that around the house <laughs> people that doesn't wear, mean that Winnie the Pooh is a deviant people that walk around with the shirt on with no pants at all are deviant that includes Winnie the Pooh and Mr. Blah Blah. That is deviant activity. I have never trusted people from the beginning. It means that Mr. Blah Blah is a deviant. Everyone who does that, this is, you, if you have the audacity to put on a shirt, if, as a man, you should definitely put on something on your bottoms. Who doesn't yep. give a shit? He walks around with the other animal friends. Some of the other animal friends have on pants, and Pooh's like, fuck <laughs> those pants. I'm not wearing those things. Who has been a deviant since the beginning? This movie makes perfect sense. I'm glad somebody's trying to bring it to the screen. But it doesn't because, like, they don't even embrace. They don't have enough money to embrace, um, like, making them anthropomorphic figures. They're wearing, like, Tim's. (laughs) (laughs) That's because Pooh, Blood, and Honey 2 will have a much larger budget when we all go see it, and then we can make the real Pooh. looked like fucking shit. The budget of that movie looks like, you want to talk about $11 million budget? That movie looks like it's it's got about $500,000 worth of budget. It I bet you really, it makes it. it I bet you it makes its money back plus some, just because the the weird hype around it is like. But people are like going to like. There's people genuinely on Twitter saying, "Oh, it kind of looks, kind of looks good." And I'm like, "What I'm are you watching?" Rascal <laughs> tweeted me like, "We're in there," and I was like, "Are we though?" Like, so I, I don't know that we are, buddy. <laughs> I will be in there. Me and Rascal will be in the movie theater. It does not look good. I will not come to you and tell you that it looks like a good movie. Am I going to be high as fuck and have a great time? Yes. I will be in I'm there. I'm not going to lie to I you, bro. I tweeted the trailer out from the uh, Apollo Pop Culture account at Watch With Apollo. Please follow us. I tweeted it out. I shared it in multiple group chats. Bad I like, engaged with it. Never fucking watched the trailer even one time. <laughs> I have no interest it in that It looks like some of the worst, act- not only like worst like costumes and stuff, like worst acting I've ever seen in my entire it, life. It looks really bad. The acting looks extremely, extremely awful. And I don't care who's about to, who is about to run up numbers. Who's going to drop 35 in this game? I can tell already. Who's going to really use him? I can't wait. No, thank yeah. you. Yeah, it, no thanks. Uh, 
You'll have to write a review about it. Well, if you if you see the movie, you have to write a review about it. This is gonna be a one take podcast episode, but just me sitting in the room with a poo shirt <laughs> on, with no, with no pants on, telling you how <laughs> this movie is amazing. All, us just me and Royden just sitting here like, so what the fuck just happened in that movie? Like, we're not gonna watch it. Just tell us what the fuck happened. Just yeah, recap just the whole movie for us. Do the run through. Uh, speaking of of all that, what we're watching? What are we watching, folks? Uh, all of us are watching Game of Game Thrones. Of Thrones. It's All of us are watching Game of Thrones. The feeling is restored, the feeling bro. Is fucking restored. Rainier and my goat. Y'all see my queen. Also, we got to give Dex props because he was like he was the first member of the Cole Hive, and Cole is now his station's even higher. Dex bought low, and he's already getting return on his investment. I Stonks. told y'all, stonks. I told night one. I was like, that's my boy. I um, know my man is going up. My guy's gonna die so bad. It's gonna everybody's be gonna die so everybody's bad. Die. Bro. It's Game of Thrones. Yeah, like that's what she, that's what it is. <laughs> no, John Starks in this one. <laughs> John Snow. You mean? Oh, John Snow. John God. Starks. <laughs> Nick, oh, shout out to Nick's point guard, John Starks. Starks. I was just ugh. survive I'm Game all, of Thrones. <laughs> I'm also watching Miss Marvel, which has been pretty good. New episode tonight. Um, I'll be on that. Meg the Stallion she is Hulk, in this episode. Oh, sorry, She Hulk. I got my shows mixed up. Meg the Stallion's gonna be in this episode. Shout out to H Town. Anytime you want me to watch something, not that I wasn't already watching, but they told me Meg's gonna be there, so I will be there uh, right on time. Um, I uh, I watched the first two episodes back to back the other night. Um, what was everybody talking about the show being bad? Yeah, Those this show is fun. Those I'm having a great ass time, man. Like, this is you just say you hate women. Yeah, that, that's Dude. what that is. Dude, I this, this is MCU Harvey Birdman, uh, attorney at law, and Ali McBeal. There's a new superhero every week that she's gonna have to help out of some legal situation. That's just a funny setup by itself. You don't even have to. That is great. Also, Tat- is it Tatiana Misalani? Um, Misalani? Yes. I think so. She's the villain. She's very, she's very funny. She's, yeah, she's good. Awesome. I fuck with her. Yeah, shows I, I, I posted the writing. Sorry, Dex. The writing. I posted corny. on my LinkedIn page yeah. about Mark Ruffalo tweeting out my article or whatever about Black. like the IMDb scores and all that. Awesome. Shout out and some random dude who I do not know commented on my LinkedIn post. Not a thing that people do. And it was like. She-Hulk is woke garbage. If Disney wants more viewers and better IMDb scores, they need to stop like creating this woke garbage. Show isn't woke at all. It's just a woman. It's a lawyer. He put this and on also LinkedIn. a superhero. That's not even the place where you have those kind of conversations at all. It's like I don't know you. We're not connected. Like, I, like who are you, bro? Not even connected. This person no. was seeking this out. I, I don't know you, bro. Like, go away. <laughs> she is not like woke at all. It's a woman. That's the only, that's the only she, thing about it. She makes one reference to how hard it is being a woman. And yeah, it's fucking terrible yeah. stuff out like, here, man. It's what terrible. are you talking about? If that's um, woke. That I, I don't know what is. And people like, shit and pissed and cum their pants. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. They, uh, I, I hate it. I hate it. Like the first couple episodes of Miss Marvel, people were like, oh, I can't believe there's gay superhero now. And it's like, bro, she's not even gay. Like, she wasn't even gay. male love interest. Like, what are you talking about? People want to put, like, just their fan fiction so bad on all of this. It's so weird. (laughs) We need to ignore Um, the incel discourse. All these shows have brought about the incel discourse, especially the ones that are led by 
women, the Intel discourse gets very nasty around these shows. It's nasty. It's crazy how like Disney put all of the women in like the G League of the MCU. Like they're all on Disney Plus. <laughs> And people are still mad. Like it's not even like <laughs> I'm literally still mad. People are still mad. It's not even like we got a She-Hulk movie. Like we didn't get like a She-Hulk trilogy. No. You know what I'm saying? They're not on fucking She-Hulk three. Like Disney it's literally just a Tubi. TV show. Disney can move them to Tubi right now, and the Insiders <laughs> will still find Tubi, download Tubi, and be like, "This is woke garbage." Create an account. Make a new account to do this, bro. Like this, this is what they're gonna do. It has a 5.1 on IMDb, which is just fucking ridiculous. It's so stupid. Insane. Like, I don't want to seem like uh, the discourse to the discourse, like, but it is, it, it's really, really weird, man. If you're taking your time out of it just to be upset about that, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little, uh, She-Hulk, watch that. It's a little corny. Um, it, it, some of the, some of the jokes don't land, but that's Marvel. Like whatever, yeah. it's just a fun TV show. It's not breaking any any ground here. Um, Lord of the Rings is coming back, brothers. The Lord, uh, Lord of the Rings. I'm gonna oh watch, yes, I'm gonna watch that. Our friend Cat uh, couldn't be on the shout out. Cat couldn't be on the podcast because she was going to watch that in the theater, which is probably the best way to go do that. Really? The first two <laughs> episodes. Crazy. Yeah, drops yeah, in the theaters. That, I wish I could do that. I, I'm gonna try to look that up. I wish I could. Do that. Um. It may have been just tonight only. I'm not quite sure, but uh, yeah. Shout out to Cinemark, sponsor the pod. Do it, do it. Um, I watched. Uh, let's see, I watched. She Hulk. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on on what I've because I've been so wrapped up in Game of Thrones. Oh, I started Better Call Saul. Uh, well, even okay. can yeah. you tell me if you first wait? You watched Breaking Bad. You had already seen Breaking yeah. Bad, right? Yep. Was the Better Call Saul pilot the greatest pilot you've ever seen, or was my weed the day that I watched it? This was years ago. I thought that was the best pilot I had ever seen ever in my life, ever. It it it's like somebody described it like um, what was uh, Frasier was a spinoff of Cheers. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So that's basically this. That's kind of how it's just two goat shows. That's really that's a really good to- comparison because Frasier is amazing. Yeah, Fraser, honestly, better than Cheers. Cheers is still great, but Fraser is like, how did they took this like shitty character no one really liked from Cheers and they made like a go to TV show? That's insane. Um, so the pilot was incredible. I'm I'm nearly done with season one, and you know, just I hey guys, how when's this last season coming out? Did I miss anything? (laughs) <laughs> yeah i feel so dumb but i was like fine i love breaking bad too that was appointment viewing on sundays when i would i would watch that but um yeah so better call saul getting in on that luckily all the seasons are on netflix uh started my friday night lights rewatch more coming on on probably something on some content that we're making with that kind of down the line um Dang. wrote a blog about it and then uh and then I finally finished. Uh, we we finished only murders in the B- building season two, which what a way to wrap up a season, huh, Dex? Yeah. Like if you're, <laughs> like if you're gonna get me hooked for a third season, I'm in. Y'all yeah. are in for a third season. I, y'all keep telling me that this show's good. I have to just go watch it. Season two is not as good as season one. It's because but... I'm anti Selena Gomez. I'm I am anti. I'm anti Selena hey. Gomez in all her endeavors. Look, I I feel like. Selena Gomez is like a mirror image of Harry Styles, or like her music is very, very bad. 
and like shouldn't exist and shouldn't have her be as popular as it is but her acting actually pretty good harry styles is like the opposite where his music is very very good oh, we gotta, can his, we talk about I was that just gonna say, you said his acting shouldn't exist but yeah harry styles music is really good and his acting is the thing that like makes me want him to go away for forever selena gomez is like equal and opposite like her music yeah. is very bad and i hate it but her acting is great and i want her to keep doing more of it uh but yeah only mergers in the building not as good for season two as it is in season one but still pretty good and i'm still gonna watch season three because it's like yeah you just throw paul rudd in here now done like i'm yeah. in i'm back easy <laughs> easy easy um i'm gonna watch the welcome to rectum series from uh oh, facts uh with ryan reynolds and rob mickelhenny about owning a soccer team looks fun i'm gonna do that is that Next like a real week? thing that's a real no it's a real thing yeah it's real oh shit okay <laughs> yeah it's not it's not a scripted show they actually bought a welsh soccer team like a third league soccer team we bear uh, the lead. All I've been watching and all I'm going to be watching for the next couple of months is college football, which is back. That's really what I've been watching. I was going to say, what I've really been watching is Madden. I've just been playing Madden. <laughs> hey, college football is back. The NFL is about to be back. The Texans are going to be ass again. But whenever the hey. Texans are ass, Baylor is usually pretty good. So my prospects are looking up, I'd say. Uh, what do y'all think of the Rockets' new jerseys? Are y'all are y'all smash or pass? I mean, big fire. I think I mean, they're a big fire. I know that I'm copping. Agree. I'm copping. That shit is fire to me. I, I like that shit. Uh, I need that Baylor in me for yeah, jersey. The, the Baylor in me love that right away. Oh, that well, makes that, sense. That's, hey, that's yeah, early. can't not love it. Those shorts need them. Let me tell you something. Uh, people saying you're copying Seattle, guys. Seattle ain't coming back. <laughs> they're not coming back. Sorry. Also, they're gone. They've been gone for about four. I, the Seattle, the the distance from that to where we are now. I think the the people in Seattle can drive now that were born when that team left. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, yeah. Um they didn't like people of Seattle, I know you're upset and you want a basketball team back. We're not copying you. You're gone. Yeah, we support you in that. We're wearing them for like 5 games. Like stop that. Like Yeah. Also, you know, uh, like this is like a an even like a nerdier like response to that. The Seattle Supersonics and the San Diego Rockets literally found it the same year. Like they're yeah. not like we like we also wore green and gold and white at that time. Like like I don't know what you want us to do. Like that's our throwback jerseys, and you don't exist now, so fuck off. But uh, yeah, I, um, I'm definitely copying the Jalen Green jerseys. Uh, other shit that I've been watching. Shout out to Mo on Netflix, right. Houston Zone. Uh, watch the whole show it's like eight 30 minute episodes really really good not as funny as i thought that it would be like it gets like deep into some shit uh it is still funny but like there's also a lot of like really deep shit going on in there it's really good check that out and uh i just started the patient on oh, Hulu I gotta start that yeah with uh steve carell and uh some other person who's famous I guess. yeah him uh it's Pretty good so far. First two episodes are out right now. Watched them both last night, and I'm I am in. I am sold. It looks good. Oh, I'm also dramatic Steve Carell. I'm also watching uh, rap shit and industry on HBO, and I'm doing I'm watching uh, Blackbird on Apple. I watched the first episode, which is yeah, really good. I finished that, and I want to finish that because I'm really in. Just the concept alone is cool, so I want. Paul Walter Hauser is incredible in that movie or show, rather. But yeah, it's it's 
it's worth it. I would I would finish it. It's only six episodes too. It's a mini series. Someone told me the villain in that show is the best villain they had ever seen since uh since the villain in Seven. Uh, he you know so that is high praise. That is he's very high. good, very very good. Paul Walter Hauser of uh he was he was in that um Clint Eastwood movie Richard Jewell and his star has kind of been going like this I, for a while. He's a really good actor. <laughs> yeah, I Tanya. Um. We got to talk about this and I didn't, we don't normally do news on this podcast and I didn't, I wanted to kind of spring this on you just because I love the reactions that we've been in the group message. Don't worry, darling. The one of two movies that's going to be coming out for WB this year because they're broke. Um, WB, if you don't know, is only releasing like two more movies the rest of the calendar year. They might Um, both be ass. They might one be, be (laughs) one being extremely ass. Black Adam, the other one, which I have zero hope for. The more we come away from that movie, the more I'm thinking that it's going to be actually bad. Um, I haven't seen one good trailer <laughs> or one good thing yeah. about Black Adam. Also, The Rock is annoying in his press tours now. I've I've jumped the shark with The Rock, where he's where he's basically like, it's going to be the bridge between the the MCU and <laughs> and uh, and the DCE. You were like, dude, shut up. You shut up. Shut no, up. Like, like yeah, whatever, man. Let's just make your movies and make your money and like just, just yeah. stop. Just stop um, Anyway, don't worry, darling. First of all, they released one of the worst clips I've ever seen in my entire oh life. My God. For Harry Styles. Let me see if I can Harry find Styles it. fucking <laughs> sucks, dude. <laughs> this podcast was recorded. I was on this, I was on this island first. That first trailer dropped. I said, guys, this movie looks really bad. Like this, it, it does not look good. Florence Pugh is her off the strength of her and her only. I will be watching this film, obviously, but Harry Styles stinks and Olivia Wilde. I don't know if she can direct well. There's been a lot of drama behind the scenes of this film. Uh, Florence Pugh isn't even marketing this film because of the That's drama. That's what I wanted set. to talk about. So, uh, you know, it's looking like disaster central, but we'll see. That's we what has a- me a little conflicted now because, you know, normally – I am I am the Florence Pugh supporter. We have sex support Florence Pugh on this podcast. That's what I do. I've been telling y'all since literally night one of this podcast that she is her. She got next. She is the young goat. She is going to win several Oscars throughout her career, et cetera, et cetera. I'm in there night one. Never seen her have a bad performance ever in a movie or TV show. But Olivia Wilde got me got me nervous, dog. Like I don't, I don't know, dog. <laughs> Olivia Wilde got me nervous, dog. She was hey, acting like, mad I, reckless on the set of that thing, and now she's gonna give us a stinker. I, ah, acting mad reckless. I when the first trailer came out, I was like, you know, for a movie that like co-stars Harry Styles, they did not let Harry Styles speak at all. In yeah, this, you want to know why here? Teaser trailer. Here, here it is, folks. And if you keep talking like this, you're going to put it all at risk. Are you worried about a demotion? That's what you're worried about? Our life. Alice, our life together. Oh, this sounds really bad. This. We could lose this. Oh, Harry. Our life. Our life. So when are they going to make the Harry Styles... Uh, co-lead in the movie with Wonder Woman because that's the same level of voice inflection. Um, Harry Styles and Gal Gadot. <laughs> oh, just, just looking good on screen together, but nothing, nothing. Amazing. The Vibe. wheels are turning, but Vibe. nobody's home. 
<laughs> oh man, I I knew I knew lights I are on, but nobody's home. Wheels are. I told over. y'all we had to stop the Harry Styles agenda. He was getting all these roles, like he got this movie. He's got like an Oscar baity, like gay romance movie coming out called My Policeman, which is catching flag for too. Was he? Yeah, like put his foot in his mouth on that one, and like he turned down like Nosferatu with Anya Taylor Joy and shit. Like he's in a position to be turning down like Ian Taylor Joy movies. Like you you not him. There you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, it so... was too much too fast. He's in the MCU. I said we gotta get this man out of here. We have to stop this agenda. He has proven nothing. He doesn't deserve this. And then fucking don't worry, darling, clips are coming out. And it's like this dude fucking sucks. I told y'all. I was right. They also just don't have like I get why you have him in the movie. He's a marketing it's like it He's going to get asses in the seats regardless of what we think of him or not. Um, they just don't show any of Florence Pugh's acting in that clip, and she still outacts him somehow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. I I think he went into the movie with, like, I'm going to do an accent, and there's a lot of times when you just can't do an accent where directors will just be like, no, we'll just keep you British. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But somebody said that he was so determined to do that accent that he couldn't slip out of it so he's trying to do get back into british from an american accent and it's just not oh, working no. um oh, regardless boy. uh rumors are that olivia wilde and harry styles were uh doing the deed on the set of this movie that's where she broke up with ted that's why her and ted lasso broke up there's a lot of drama surrounding that but there's also just like She's been real passive aggressive and weird to Florence Pugh. Olivia Wilde has, and yeah. there was like and the whole Shia LaBeouf thing. And the whole Shia LaBeouf thing. Go look it up. There's a video coming out, and like Shia LaBeouf was originally cast in this film. He turned down the film because he said that he didn't. He's a weirdo, and he said he didn't have enough time to rehearse or anything like that. So he says that he quit, and he released a bunch of like he came with receipts, which is something for a canceled person to come with like receipts on another it, it fucking shia labeouf to be like okay um like, actually saying a lot of shit about me right now but you got me fucked up yeah like, you olivia wilde have me fucked up right you are in the wrong <laughs> yeah so it's it's a real weird thing and so yeah like you said florence view has decided just not to even promote this film which people thought was going to be like oscar worthy and stuff at the very beginning of the they, year they lied. They lied. we have yeah. been talking about on this podcast it's a bad look for us guys um, terrible tough terrible beat. day for the agenda but i feel like florence Pugh is still gonna do her thing like florence Pugh is a professional she is a great actress i have never seen her have a bad role ever in anything i bet her right. performance is good it's just the rest yeah, of the i also like, yeah, I it's like gonna look great stuff. compared to that dude that she has across from her on the screen oh boy <laughs> i'll tell you this i can tell right now she got to carry that man i still maintain that the movie won't have as much harry styles as we think it's going to have more chris pine which she i gonna, hope we can only hope she's gonna pack them up too she's taking them all summer she's gonna make them all look bad but we'll see there's also like rumors that maybe she had to like direct this film to parts yeah. of this film. Yeah. Which I saw that on TikTok. Take that for what it's worth. Like that's, that's such a tough look for somebody that we, if you would have told us at the beginning of 2020, when we started this podcast, I would have bought all the stock in Olivia Wilde. She just came out. With I love the best comedies. Dude. of the like, past. I have 
I've never seen a director lose their shine and their goodwill so quickly. Because like, I've never seen it. I've never seen anything like it. Booksmart came out. Nobody went to go see it in theaters except like seven people, and they were all like, "This is incredible!" And y'all are like awful people for not going to see it in theaters. Y'all hate women. Um, But Olivia Wilde has like a lot of talent. Blah blah blah. Before her second movie has even come out, everyone's like, Olivia Wilde fucking sucks. Actually, <laughs> let's reevaluate this. <laughs> her second movie hasn't even like released yet. And everyone's like, mm, I don't know about this one, dog. I don't know if she got it. <laughs> well, distance herself, but she also hasn't helped herself. Nope. Like, mm. it would be one thing if she made a great movie. Like that Hollywood doesn't care if you if you make a great movie and you still shoot yourself in the foot, but it's looking like it may not even be a good movie. So it it's like, even be a good ah, movie. shit. What, Florence Pugh is like, what, 25, 26? Like, she had to be the voice of reason? Like, with you, this grown-ass woman? Like, at your big yeah, age? Like you, yeah, she like, wants to be friends with that, wants to be friends with 25-year-old Florence Pugh so bad. <laughs> so bad. It's crazy. Anyway, that has been our Don't Worry Darling talk. I wanted to talk about it because it's the most insane movie news going on right now. It's the most insane. We don't get that kind of drama anymore, folks. Everything's like with MCU and all that's always buttoned up. Those are the biggest movies. This is just, ooh, yes. I can't wait it's nasty, nasty times. I can't wait to review this film against the backdrop of the drama. I can't wait. Absolutely. All right. So you can find us at One Take Pod, One Take Pod on Twitter, One Take Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Go follow at Watch with Apollo. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram as well. Go follow at Apollo HOU putting out new merch all the time. Playoffs are right around the corner for baseball. So that's going to be a big time for us. A lot more streaming going on. So you can follow us on Twitch um, as well. They're going to be starting to try and stream every single day. I mentioned that we are trying to get off the ground, something regarding uh, Friday night lights with uh, the Godfather Des. So stick around for that. I'll have more uh, info about that later on. um, Once it actually comes out, I wrote a blog called uh dylan panther daily about the first recap of uh the friday night lights show where in case you don't know or you've never watched friday night lights they just paralyze a kid in the first episode of that yeah it starts out all bad (laughs) yeah uh so i wrote about that from the local papers perspective you can follow yeah you can follow that at uh on apollohou.com uh there's a there's a link to i'll put a link to that in in the descriptions of all of our articles dex has been doing a lot of reviews what else you've been working on yeah uh writing over a screen rant just dropped an elementary piece today season two comes out september 21st i wrote about why greg should become the principal check that out on screen rant you can find it on my twitter um, I got a Mo review coming soon. I talked about it a little earlier on this pod, but I'm going to write up an article about that uh, for ApolloHAU.com. And uh, yeah, we're just going to be doing a whole lot of shit uh, on ApolloHAU.com. Check out the blog. We're going to take it up a notch here pretty soon. Uh, Tej, where are your podcasts? Uh, obviously, Underhooks uh, covering UFC. That's always obviously year-round. Uh, and then Slender You, college football podcast, is obviously ramping up crazy because He's college football off. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. If you're into college football and or UFC, check us out. Also, go follow uh, Tej on Twitch so we can watch some of the funniest Madden content I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw Tej. I literally tweeted a play-by-play like I was a, a 
football reporter of your Madden game. You have the funniest things that have ever happened to you in Madden. Like somebody downing a punt at the one on you on Madden Bro, is the, the most impossible thing. Four times and just like nestled right in the grass at the one yard line. I was like, oh. Oh, that's awesome. That's really Yeah, cool. that doesn't happen except yeah. for against you. So that's very funny. So, yeah, go follow us. We really appreciate it. One more time, regardless of the uh, slander for Don't Worry, Darling, Dex, what are we doing? Hashtag support for us, too, baby. It's okay. We got more movies coming. Doing two soon. Soon come. More MCU content soon come. All right. We're out. Oh, there ain't no rest for the wicked. Money don't grow on trees I got bills to pay I got mouths to feed There ain't nothing in this world for free I know I can't slow down I can't hold back Though you know I wish I could I know there ain't no rest for the wicked Until we close our eyes for good Not even 15 minutes later I'm still walking on the street When I saw the shadow of a man creep out of sight Try to make a move, I won't think twice I told him you could have my cash But first you know I gotta ask what made you